You see, Zacchaeus, last week, we heard Zacchaeus turn around and, and he says to um, the Lord, Lord, I give half my possessions to the poor. We remember that Zacchaeus was a wealthy man and he said, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I cheat anyone, I will pay them back four times. So Zacchaeus was having a life-changing experience. Zacchaeus was changing his attitude towards money. And Jesus wanted to capitalize on that. So while they were listening to that, Jesus told them this parable. Now, you know, one thing I hate preaching about, I hate preaching about money. And the reason why I don't like preaching about money is because so many churches, as soon as you walk through the door, you're handed an envelope. And you look down at the envelope and it wants your credit card details. And you haven't even sat down yet. So, you know, church and money tend to have a bad relationship together because there's too many churches that rather fleece the flock of Jesus Christ. And that's a sad thing. But I praise God that this parable is not all about money. And so I'm going to talk about your attitude to money in a few moments. But it's not all about money. It's also about his kingdom. The kingdom of God in this parable. So let's get to it and let's see what Jesus is saying throughout this parable. The first thing I want you to see here is a hated king. A hated king. Jesus says in his parable, remember the words. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. I want you to remember that Jesus Christ is of noble birth. Remember what the wise men said back in Bethlehem? They said, Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? I want to tell you this. Jesus didn't become king. Most people become king. Jesus was born a king. Okay? He was a one of of noble birth. And then Jesus turns around and says, well, there's two groups of people that I want to introduce you to in my parable. The first group of people are my servants. And so These are the ones he calls. And he gives them money, minus. Put this money to work, he says, until I come back. He gives them money and he says, put the money to work. Now, most people would say that if they had money, money will stop them working. You know, most people do the lottery And they do the lottery in order to win a lump sum so they can have a nice, comfortable cushion to lay their head on throughout their life. That's what those people want money for. But Jesus turns around and says to these servants, I want you to put the money to work. 
That's the um, thing we're going to talk about later on, but that's what he says to the first group. I don't want you to have money to make yourself comfortable, a nice soft pillow so you can sleep throughout your life doing nothing. No, I'm giving you something and I want you to put it to work. That's the first thing he says to the old servants. Now he has, he introduced to us not only the servants, but he introduced his subjects. And here they are, and they're here, but his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. Jesus uses some strong words in this parable. He uses the word hated. These people, they despised him. They loathed him. And they did not want him to be their king. Now, the thing is, if you don't want Jesus to be your king, then you have to have another king over you. If you don't want Jesus to be your ruler and your king in your life, then you've got to accept another rule and another kingdom in your life. You have to. There's only two kingdoms. You know, Jesus speaks about the other kingdom, and he says, well, you know, there is a prince of this kingdom. Now it's a time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven. Who is the prince of this world? What is the devil himself? Satan is the prince of this world. Another part of the Bible tells us he's a ruler in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So there are two kingdoms. There are the kingdom that belongs to Christ and his kingdom, but there's another kingdom, a ruler, a prince of that kingdom. And that kingdom, the Bible says, is a kingdom of darkness and it belongs to Satan. Jesus Jesus speaks to some religious people. And as he was speaking to them, he says, I've got a father. My father, he says, is God. But look what Jesus said to those religious people. He said to them, he says, look, you belong to your father. My father is God. I come from heaven and God is my father. But he says to the other people who he's speaking to, you have a father as well. But your father is not the same as my father. Your king is not the same as my king. Your father, he says, is the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. Now listen to me very carefully. There's no easy way to say this. I'm going to say this as lovingly as possible. There's only two kingdoms. Only two kingdoms on the earth. That's the best way to put it. There are two kingdoms Two kings. You either belong to the kingdom of light or you belong to the kingdom of darkness. There's no in-between kingdoms. There's no in-between neutral states. There's only two. The kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of Satan. And when somebody gets saved, the Bible tells us what happens. 
When somebody gets saved, somebody becomes born again, somebody cries out, Lord, forgive me for my sin, cleanse me, wash me, I'm sorry for what I've done. The Bible tells us what takes place. Look what the Bible says, what takes place. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He has rescued us from the kingdom, the rule, the dominion, the power of darkness where Satan is ruling. He's rescued us and has translated us and placed us in the kingdom of his son. There's only two kingdoms. And if you haven't said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me from my sin. Lord, do a work within me. Cause me to hate the things that you hate, Lord, and love the things. Lord, do a work in me. If you haven't prayed that prayer, you're still in the kingdom of darkness. You might be in church this morning. But you're in that kingdom, and there's only two kingdoms. And the sad thing is, every single person who is in that kingdom hates the king of the other kingdom. They will turn around and they will say, you know, we don't want this king to rule over us. I don't want Jesus to tell me how to run my life. I don't want Jesus to be Lord of my life. In fact, I hate him. And in the very fact that I hate him, some people say, well, I don't really hate Jesus. But the very fact they don't obey Jesus means that they hate him anyway. And so, what will happen? What will happen to those who hate Christ? What will happen to those who end up staying in the kingdom belonging to Satan? What will happen to them? Well, the Bible tells us what will happen to them. In his parable, spoken by Jesus, He says this, but those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here. And kill them in front of me. You see, Satan and his kingdom will be destroyed. Hallelujah. Satan and his kingdom will be destroyed be destroyed but anyone else who's in that kingdom anyone else who associates himself with the devil and his work anyone else who hates Christ I have to say will take the fall with Satan that's what the word of God says look at Exodus 34 I want to thank my friend Tevin for this because he texted me his wonderful verse um, earlier on this week Look at this wonderful verse about the grace of God. And, he, and as he passed in front of Moses, as God passed by Moses, he began to tell, describe who he is. The Lord, the Lord, says the Lord. The Lord, the Lord, the gracious and the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, retaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Don't we love a God like that? Don't we love a God like that? 
abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. I want a God like that. But I need to read the next verse as well, because the same God like that is the God who says this as well. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. God does not leave the guilty unpunished. Let me give you an illustration. Thanks, Tevin, for that first, by the way. I heard of a, a man who was 80 years old. But when he was younger, he was involved in a pedophile ring. Him and two other men back in the day used to get young children and take indecent images of those children. He was involved in sexual acts with those children. After months of police investigation, they found out where he lived. They broke in in the morning into his house. They found hundreds of indecent images of children being abused by these two, three men back in the day. And so they arrested him and took him to court. And, and he stood before the judge. And the judge turned around and looked at him and said, Sir, he said to him, because you're 80 years old, I'm giving you six months suspended sentence. Six months suspended. The police were tearing their hair out. Don't they know? Don't that judge know? The lives that that man ruined. Doesn't the judge know that when that man, 10, 20 years ago, the things he'd done, he might be 80 years old, but this man is guilty. The judge was an unfair judge. And nobody wants an unfair judge. We want the judge to be the one who punishes the guilty. Everyone will say that. That only happened this year, last year, not very long ago. And here we have this message so urgent. The message is this. Do not stay in the kingdom of darkness one moment longer. Do not stay in the kingdom of Satan one moment longer. Do not cry out and say, Lord, I don't want Christ to be my king. I don't want Jesus to rule over me. Do not stay in the kingdom of darkness one moment longer. And the reason why Jesus is saying this parable, I'll tell you why. He's going to Jerusalem. And as he goes to Jerusalem, he knows that he's going to die on a cross. He knows he's going to be crucified on a cross. And he knows that he's going to open a way where men and women can leave the kingdom of darkness and enter into the kingdom of his son. He's opening a way. And he knows it. 
question that I need to ask you this morning is which kingdom are you in? That's the question. Which kingdom? Which kingdom do you feel more comfortable in? Oh, you know, I feel more comfortable in the kingdom of darkness because when I'm there, I can do my thing in secret. No one knows what I'm doing. I'm there on, on the computer. I'm there with my friends. I'm there in the clubs and the pubs. I'm doing my thing by myself and no one else knows. I might be in church on a Sunday morning, but no one knows that really I'm in the kingdom of darkness. I'll tell you something, the Lord knows. And if you're truly born again, has rescued you, delivered you from the kingdom of darkness and placed you into the kingdom of his son. There's only two kingdoms, not three. Only two. Okay, so let's move on. Because um, a hated king, I want to go on and speak about a faithful servant. Let's turn our attention to the first group, the two servants who the Lord says, come, let me give you some money. And what did he say to them? Let me remind you. Um, before he gave them money, he said he was, he, was, he was made king, however, and returned home. Let me just stop right there. He was made king, however, and returned home. I want to tell you something. When Jesus was crucified... We all know that. That's, that's fact. The empty tomb was em- is empty. He's no longer, well, his bones wasn't found. He was raised from the dead. That's also undisputable. But then Jesus was on the mountain with the disciples. And the Bible says that Jesus was taken up into heaven. And as the disciples were standing there looking at him, going up into the clouds, the Bible said two angelic men stood behind him. This is what the men said. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus, this same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him going to heaven. So the king, when Jesus said, you know, the king is going to come back, and it's true, this king, our king, is already preparing to come back. And so, the angels told the disciples, stop staring in the sky, man, stop just looking out there, I'm telling you, he's coming back again. And so, Jesus says, I want to make this clear. My return is not going to be immediate. I'm not going to come next. You think I might be here tomorrow. I'm going to come. But I'm going to come in a time and an hour that you don't expect me to come. So be ready. Be prepared. And so he tells, he tells his servants, take this money. So what did they do? Well, we got here. The first one came and said, sir, your miner has gained ten more. The second came and said, sir, your miner has earned five more. Both these men put their single miner to work. And it gained more. They put their money 
his money. To get it right, they put his money to work. Now, to really understand this, you have to go back again to Zacchaeus. Because Zacchaeus used his money to gain friends for the kingdom. Zacchaeus used his money to bless those who were in need. Zacchaeus used his money to bless those who were close to the heart of God. Zacchaeus used what God has given him and he cried out. You remember why I said he cried out in that verse? He said, Lord, look now, here and now. I give half of my possession to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times times the amount. Those who were cheated, those who were deceived, those who were broken because of Zacchaeus. He used his money. He put his money to work. That's what happened. Now the Bible says the proof of your Christianity. The proof of your Christianity. The proof of how much you love God. Is how much you love your brother. You know that. Look what the word of God says. If anyone has material possessions. And sees a brother or sister in need. But has no pity on them. How can the love of God be in that person? Their children. Let us not love with words or speech. But with action and in truth. That is what putting your money to work. It's not about turning around and saying, oh, well, I've got my, 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 myself all comfortable and I'm going to make sure I stay comfortable. No, when you are truly born again and you love your brother, you love your sister and you see them in need, it proves that you love God when you open up your heart and you say, how can I serve you? Now listen to what Jesus turned around and says to these men who don't do do that. Well done, my good. Other version says, well done, my good and faithful servants. What high praise. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. In other words, handling money, handling money to God is only a small matter. We think it's huge. We think it's big. But actually, handling money to God is only a very small matter. But when you handle money faithfully, when you handle money with integrity, when you handle money with a love for God in your heart, when your attitude to money comes under the kingship of Jesus, then you're good and faithful. These men not only heard the word of the king, but they did what he says. They heard his words. And they did what he says. Let's go on to my third and final point, because there's a faithful servant, but also we've all remembered this one. The Bible, Jesus calls him a wicked servant. 
Let's hear this wicked servant speak, shall we? What did he say? Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your miner. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. The wicked servant decided to hide or keep the money in a piece of cloth. In other words, he did nothing with God's provision. Nothing at all. Kept it hidden away. And the master, the king, asked, well, why didn't you put it on deposit at the bank? So when I came back, I could have collected interest. You could have done something. You did nothing at all with my provision. Jesus calls him wicked. Now the reason why Jesus calls him wicked is because he tried to blame the king for his laziness. He tried to blame the king for his laziness. Look what he says. He says, I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. Reminds me of Adam in Genesis chapter 3. You remember Adam? When God came to Adam and said, Adam, what have you done? You've, you've, you've eaten from the, the fruit of the tree that I told you not to eat. Adam, what have you done? Look what Adam says. Adam turns around and says, the man says, the woman you put with me. It wasn't my fault. You put this woman with me and, and, and look what happened. <laughs> Got a man there saying true, but you know... <laughs> It's all a woman's fault. But, you know, he, he, you know he, he tries to blame God. God, if you didn't do it, I would, have, I would have done it. I would have been pure and righteous if you didn't get involved. And this servant done the same thing. This servant was trying to blame the king. Your fault. You're too hard. You're too, you're too strict. It's too difficult to obey you. I'm afraid of you. So therefore, I just hid it away. It's your fault, really. But look what Jesus says about his character. Jesus dealt with Zacchaeus in a loving way. And Jesus said, this is my character. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, I'm not hard. You're lying about me. You're saying something that's not true about me. Jesus is not hard. But wicked men, wicked servants will rather blame God for their laziness. They'll rather say, I can't give up my sin. I can't put down my wicked behavior. I can't do it because it's too difficult. And you're asking me to do something really, really hard. I can't do it. But look what the Lord says. But he says to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
Even though it's hard for you to put down that sin. Hard for you to stop cursing and swearing. Hard for you to control your mind and your thoughts. I know it's difficult, but my grace is sufficient for you. Because I can come in and I can help you and strengthen you even while you feel so weak. My grace is sufficient for you. But the wicked servant will turn around and say, I can't do it. I can't pray. I can't read my Bible. I can't get to church and have fellowship. There's too many things going on. I can't do it. You make it so hard for me to be a Christian and blame the Lord. But the Lord said, no, no, no. I know you're weak. That's why I say my grace is sufficient. You know, wicked servants, wicked servants will not enter the kingdom of God. Look what Matthew said. This is my last verse as I close. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Wicked servants, even though they come dressed as servants, even though you might find them in a church, even though you might find them putting out chairs and cleaning and dusting and doing the work around, even though you may find them preaching in the pulpit that I'm doing today. Wicked servants will not enter the kingdom of God because Jesus clearly says those who enter are those who do the will of my Father. Again, thanks to Tevin for this little quote there. These men, all of the servants, heard the same word from the king. Take this money, put it to work. Most of them did it, but one of them, one of them did not obey the words of the king. My friends, I don't know where you all are. My prayer is that all of you are in the kingdom of light. All of you are in the kingdom of God's son. All of you are not going to be destroyed with Satan and his kingdom. None of you are not going to be destroyed with Satan. That's my prayer. All of you will be in the kingdom of his son. That's my prayer. But even if you're in the kingdom, make sure that you're hearing and doing. Make sure that your Christianity is not just a garment that you put on on a Sunday morning that everyone can look at you and say what a wonderful man or woman you are. But make sure your hands are dirty in serving Christ. Go to work. Use every area of your life. Not just your money. Not just your intellect. Not just your skills your, 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 your DIY, whatever skills you have, use it all for the glory of Christ. When I enter heaven, I want to enter heaven and I want to hear, well done, that good and faithful servant. I don't want to come in the back door. I don't want to come in the cat flap 
scraping inside of my belly and making sure I'm in the kit. I don't want to come that way. I want to come into a place where Jesus says to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's my prayer. And the only way that's going to happen is if I make Jesus king, king of my money, king of my time, and king of my life. If you do that with me, and today say, be king, the Lord indeed will say, well done. Even now, well done, well done, well done. May there be many well dones in this place today, because hearts are crying out, Lord, be my king. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father, we live in a world where the kingdom of darkness is so big, so huge, it seems that everybody we meet is in that kingdom. Seeing that Satan has so many subjects, so many servants in his kingdom, Lord. And your kingdom, Father, seems so small. But I remember your word that you say wide and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many are on it. But the road and the way is narrow and the gate is slim and only a few enter by it. Lord, I remember your word. But my prayer, oh God, my prayer is that you will indeed cause more men and women to find the narrow way. Cause there to be more men and women, Lord who will not just hang out in the kingdom of darkness, Lord, but they will find your son and be translated and transported out from that kingdom and into the kingdom of light. That's my prayer this morning, God Almighty. Father, you've spoken today by your word. I thank you that it's not my word, Lord. If it was left to me, I wouldn't have said these things, but Lord, I thank you, it's your word. And I pray that today men will receive it as it really is, the word of the living God. Change us, Lord, we pray. And glorify. Bring praise and honor to that name, that glorious name, that wonderful name, that powerful name, that beautiful name. Bring praise and glory and honor to that name of Jesus Christ. Oh, be our king in this house, we pray. For Jesus' sake. Amen.